Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome back to the Prepoint Pod. My guest today is Josephine Lee, point shoe fitter extraordinaire. Josephine is the CEO and founder of The Point Shop, which is a US-based company that provides point shoe fittings both in person and online. So Josephine has also recently become the head fitter for the San Francisco Ballet. Today we talk about these exciting jobs and much, much more. Um, I really hope you enjoy this episode. Josephine Lee, welcome to the Prepoint Pod. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me again. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you for agreeing to come on. You're such a busy, busy businesswoman <laughs> at the moment. I am. I don't know when it's going to end, but I will say I'm never bored. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, I guess it's a good way to be. Um, <laughs> if you'd like to give our listeners who might not know you a little bit of an introduction. Sure. So I'm Josephine. I started The Point Shop about uh, 10, 12 years ago now. Wow. Um, and then we created one of the first point shoe fitting programs. Um, this is a point shoe method, point shoe fitting method based on the technique and skill of the dancer rather than just the size and the shape of their feet. So we've developed that program to help dancers get fitted into the shoe that's correct for their time in their career and to help them be the best dancer they can. It sounds perfect. And we were just ch- chatting before about, you know, how much of a challenge that can actually be to find the right fit of point shoe and the way that even some dancers who've been dancing for so many years still struggle with that. So I think, yeah, it's very important work, very niche, but very valuable. Absolutely. And the way that you like your point shoes is very individual and it's a lot to do with your personality as well so as point shoe fitters it's not just about us finding the best shoe for you it's really figuring out the dancer's preferences and matching the shoe to their preference so some dancers even if they have you know seemingly the same exact feet they can end up in two completely different shoes depending on what their actual preferences are Mm. And so your business, The Point Shop, it's got so many different branches and you mentioned the, the fitting certification just before. Tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about um, all of the different things that you do with The Point Shop. So the progressive point method is our way of training our fitters. And it takes about a year for us to train a point shoe fitter, which is very rare in our industry because most people... Um, we'll have to just hire someone like a sales associate to be 
their point shoot fitters and you don't really have a lot of time to um, train them properly. Um, so the method is to help basically help dancers and fitters get to understand the, this method of fitting so that they can shorten that time to be trained to become fitters. So that's one branch of our point you about on the point shop. And then we also have our mobile fittings. We also have five brick and mortar locations in California. We have two in Southern California, three in Northern California. And then our final branch, I said, I would say is doing now company accounts with the San Francisco ballet. Yeah. That's, that's a brand new um, contract for you. Um, how it exciting. is. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's it's really like my dream come true. I, I didn't I never expected this to happen for our company. It's really fun. And you also, I guess, uh, facilitate or coordinate Dance Medica as well. Is That's that, right. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit about Dance Medica? Yes. So I Dance Medica is my heart and soul. It's a collaboration between different um, specialists that help dancers. So physical therapists, point shoe fitters, MDs, surgeons, even photographers and retailers. Uh, it's basically everyone who is behind the scenes of the dancers that are helping out. Uh, we're basically like your backstage team. And all of us kind of get together to chat about different problems in the dance industry, how we can help the dancers, how we can um, move dance forward. And um it's just a great collective of people that just love dancers and want to help dancers dance as long as they, they wish. And so is there only one site of Dance Medica or has that expanded now? So Dance Medica is technically worldwide, but obviously we have the most concentration in the United States and we have the biggest concentration in the West Coast because that's where we're based, um, but it's open to anyone who works with dancers. And we have a monthly mastermind group where uh, several of us get together to talk about our own businesses. Most of us own, own our own practice or own our own stores. And uh, we also do different projects. We do um, events, we do virtual and in-person events, um, helping educate the public about dance and also how to keep dancers healthy longer. We're basically the bridge that connects science and dance. Yeah, that's so needed. Yeah, that's great. And so the workshops that you run, do you run workshops for just for dancers or are some of them for dance teachers? And, and I guess some of them would be like PD for other health professionals or other professionals as well? As well or So the collective is our people that are helping dancers. So we have a members only event, like a conference, for example. So this January, we had a small conference in San Diego, and that was open only to our members. So that would be just a peer-to-peer -peer network organization or event. And then we also have other workshops that are open to dancers. And then we have other workshops open to dance teachers. And that's primarily what we're focusing on today or this year is to um, focus on dance teachers to get the science and the research to these teachers so that it could actually go into the classrooms. So we're finding that that is probably the most effective way to get 
all of that in there. So we're focusing more on teachers this year, but we have lots of different workshops for different types of people. And we might open it up to professional dancers as well, um, because most professional dancers also need a second career. And this is a good direction for them to find a second career while not completely abandoning their first. Absolutely. And a lot of professional dancers go on to be dance teachers. And I think, you know, if they can integrate some of those, I guess, those things together as like safe dance practice fundamentals, I guess, that when they can start doing that as they're actually dancing in the professional space, like then they'll take that through when they're teaching or running workshops or like, I don't know of a professional dancer who has gotten away without having to teach at least once in there. Right, exactly. And yeah. some t- some dancers are really good at it and, and love it. And some dancers just really don't want to go that route either. So it's nice to be able to give that option for them to have a second um, career, not just in teaching, but also other professions as well, because they have such a rich um knowledge of dance and their own bodies and it's uh, there's a lot of different directions you can go it sounds so great a really lovely multidisciplinary approach which is really good so for the future is there anything you'd like to talk about to share with our audience uh we're well right now (laughs) uh we're focusing most on our company account but uh we want to continue to build dance medica and build more programs for dance teachers more programs for other dance specialists. Um, We possibly have some collaborations coming up with universities as well. Um, So a lot of dance majors that want to continue their lives in dance, but not necessarily on stage. So we have a a few more of those conversations going on at the same time. And then for the point shop, we're just still chugging along doing the thing. Um, The point shop is what pays the bills. Dance Medica is what we want to do for the world. So we have to have both in order for us to move forward with both. But yeah, it's it's a really fun, exciting place to be. Mm. Oh, yeah, that sounds great. University partnerships would be really nice. And then I guess you have the sort of scope to do a little bit of research or get a little bit of funding and things like that, which is also really handy. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> So getting into getting down to business, um, because you are a point shoe fitter, that is your your number one trade. Right. (laughs) What would be your top five tips for a dancer starting point work? Uh, One, trust your trust your body. That's number one. So a lot of dancers don't really know when there's um, they, they don't trust their body to understand pain. So they think that there's normal pain, and they think that that's normal when really you should trust yourself when something doesn't feel right because that's the number one way to get injured. I actually just talked to a professional dancer today who was wearing shoes that caused injuries and we had to switch her shoes, even though she has a ton of them left in stock. She um, has to wear a different shoe and she just didn't um, for whatever reason, she just didn't speak up. She didn't really understand why it was it was hurting her. She continued to dance at it and eventually led to a stress fracture. So we definitely want to make sure that the dancers understand how to trust themselves. So that's number one. Uh, number two is um, look for alignment over anything else. Are you on top of your box? Are your toes stacked on top of your ankles, on top of your knees, on top of your hips? So alignment is very important. Um, 
Number three is probably roll through. If you're able to roll through, then you're properly working your feet. If you're not, then you probably are not. And then, <laughs> and four, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure you see that quite a bit. Mm. And then four, um, how are you, are you able to balance? Like if you're on the center of the box, your wear patterns tell you a lot about how you dance in class. Even if you feel like you're over the box, if you're only wearing the inferior portion of your platform, then that's telling you something. And then the last thing is um, your work outside of point work. So it's so important to do cross training because point work is not natural. You should have many, many different <laughs> muscles that you normally don't use in everyday life in order to achieve point work. So there needs to be some more load um, in order for you to be successful at it. Mm. I think that is gold in words, Josephine. <laughs> what is the wear patterns? That's a really interesting thing. But I guess, you know, with any shoes, you know, podiatrists will look at wear patterns and things like that. Can you elaborate a little bit more that? So you described like the inferior wear pattern, which I'm guessing is like at the bottom of the box near the sole of the shoe. And if that's exactly indicate that a dance is not quite getting over their box, is that, yeah, that's what correct. About, so if, about like buckling and things like that, I mean, that's mm-hmm. it's tricky. the healthiest. Yeah. The healthiest lines are the most beautiful lines. So if something is sticking out, if you're buckling out of your shoes, if you're, if you see all of your knuckles, if you're tilting to one side, if the shoe is twisting, then those are all um, indications that it's not it's not working well for you. Um, That being said, there's so many different types of feet and there are some feet that are going to one twist in every point shoe. There are feet that are going to knuckle out of shoes because of the way that their feet are. So shape is tricky. There's a lot of types of feet that will have more issues in point shoes than others. Um, But in general, you want it to be very clean and the lines should be very smooth and well aligned and very well stacked on top of each other. Lovely. Yes, there are. I mean, yes, I, I mean, I'm, I have worked with dancers who've sort of been through like three, four different types of shoe and every fitter has something different to say. And at the end of the day, like I can see that there's structural differences between one foot and the other foot or like it is really challenging I guess, yeah, that's where like availability of different styles and things might come into play as well, like in certain parts of the world or in certain parts of different countries, being able to go to different places to try on different brands and makes and shapes and things probably is helpful. Right. Do you still do virtual fittings? Oh, sorry. I do. That's okay. Yeah, Yeah. I I still do virtual fittings. That's one of the things that the pandemic has brought me of it was almost another skill that I had to learn, which is very difficult. And and honestly, virtual fittings, especially for first pair point shoes, that's really hard to do. Um, And it's, it made me a better fitter, because you have to get it right the first time. And it's, it's like going into a pointy fitting and then the first shoe that you pull out has to be perfect. So that's kind of what virtual fitting is like from a pointy fitters perspective. But I definitely think that it's still more accurate to be in person Mm. than virtual. Um, 
a lot of it is because I can't take chances when I'm doing virtual fittings. When I'm in person, I might pull out a shoe that doesn't make sense just mm-hmm. to see what it does. Um, we don't get a chance to do that when we're doing virtual fitting. So I pull out the safest shoe. Um, and most of the time that happens in, in real life as well, but it just doesn't have that like last little bit of play that I'm allowed to have and then to experiment a little bit with different shoes that may not work. And sometimes it's a surprise. Sometimes it does work like a shoe that doesn't make sense at all. Mm. Yeah. That's so, it's such an, it's such an art really, isn't it? Like it's a science, it but is. it's an art. Definitely. It's both. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Before, um, before you were saying something about trying three or four different types of shoe and having availability for, um, you know, like different types of shoe available to try on and, you know, in certain parts, that's not, really possible like in certain parts of the country or in certain like regional remote areas like them just might not be the variety to try on so it's really hard to know for a dancer who's struggling to find a shoe what what there is available right Mm. um yeah it's really difficult ever since I started doing virtual fittings worldwide I'm starting to realize that it is so limited in the availability in certain parts of the world I try to do my best to find them a shoe that they can get locally. And part of that is because I want them to continue to get the shoe, be able to get the shoe there. Like if we ship them a shoe overseas, that's a one-time solution. They should be able to continue to get their shoes where they are. Mm -hmm. So when now I have a pretty good idea of what's available in different parts of the world. I know in Australia, block is very easy to get. Freed is very difficult to get. so like I I kind of have a pretty good idea of what is available in certain parts of the world but even with that in mind I have to be very cognizant of what is safe for the dancer and what is not I have one dancer overseas I think she lives in Switzerland that we still ship in the shoe because there's nowhere there's only this dancer only has one shoe that she can wear and it's not available in her country so I just if that's the case, we send it to them. We are, we were their last resort. She was going to quit after she tried us. And if she didn't find a shoe, then she wasn't going to dance anymore. And alas, she was correct. There was only one shoe that was, that made sense for her feet. And if that's the case, we'll, we'll we will ship it to them. But, you know, I try to find something local and it is very difficult to not have all of my tools to work with. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a that's a lot of pressure <laughs> for you. It is. Are you sure when there's like two brands? <laughs> mm-hmm. Were they professional or pre-professional that dancer? Pre-professional. Yeah. And that would be really frustrating feeling that that was holding you back, I guess, at that level of training as well. Definitely. Definitely. And there are, you know, dancers that are more difficult than others to fit, and there are some dancers that can wear anything and they look fantastic, and there are some dancers that can literally wear one model. <laughs> That's fascinating. So uh, now getting even deeper into the shoe, um, what are your top three sort of favorite like shoe inserts for, I guess, foot protection? So things like ouch oh. pouches, um, lamb's wool, like is there something that's, you know, new and exciting or like any something that you sort of feel a lot of people kind of go, no, nah, I don't want to do that, but it's really underrated or I don't know. So 
the general rule of thumb with toe pads is the less is better. And I think we all know that because um, you have more contact with your shoe when there's less padding. However, I'm in the, I'm in the camp of, I will give you as much as you need in order for you to dance. We have some fitters in our co- company that are a little bit, that are a little bit more strict and they'll say like, you will get used to it. You can wear less padding. And, you know, we all, all of us, even though we went through the same training, we all have different philosophies and what, what we do. And I'm in the camp of like, if you need more, I will give you more. Uh, however, we want to have less. So one of my favorite padding um, option is lamb's wool because you can customize that however you want. So you can do more or less. And especially if you're a dancer with skin sensitivities to um, silicone or gel, or um, if you have, if you're allergic to any kind of material, Lamsul is really nice for that. Um, and then also the, uh, I, I love the Gainer Minden box liner. When that came out, I was so excited because I'm a massive sinker, mostly because I'm very weak, but I sink a lot in my shoes. And that thin little like extra padding just solves so many issues with sinking. So I love the Gator Minden box liner. Some dancers only need that and that's perfect. And then the last one is probably like good old ouch pouches. Like I, that's where I usually start. Like when a dancer is getting fitted for the first pair of point shoes, that's where I start. And if they need more or less padding, then I go from there. But that's my standard. So good old classic ouch pouches. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, yeah. And I guess if if you haven't tried lambs, well, maybe give lambs a go. I definitely I did have some lambs. Well, when I was dancing, my grandmother had a friend who was an ex professional ballerina and she had just a whole stash of lambs wool left from her career that was how many ever years ago so I just was given this bag of lambs wool and it was like oh this is amazing but I I mean I use lambs wool and ouch pouches just in certain parts of the shoe right Mm. it's it's really fantastic especially because it's uh, a little bit more um it's a little cleaner like it's it's a little bit more hygienic to have lamb's wool and then like toss that than to, you know, use the same thing over and over again and get athlete's foot. Yeah. Because <laughs> we see that a lot too. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I do wonder sometimes about the sort of like entirely gel kind of, um, you know, they do sort of mold to the foot, but they are very tight fitting. Um, I also know of one dancer who washes their ouch pouches every after every single wear because wow like pedantic about infection uh and that that's a lot of commitment <laughs> it sure is that is way too much <laughs> <laughs> that's so much time it is a lot of time a lot of washing yeah so tell us a little bit more about your work with professional dancers so professional dancers is is very interesting um when you're fitting professional dancers, they have like a whole different need base than children do. So a lot of the problems that we run into with kids is like, you know, wobbly ankles, um, not enough strength, sinking, uh, a lot of problems with just in general balancing and not being able to know where they are. With professional dancers, they're generally pretty strong. They're very well aligned. Uh, They usually don't sink if the sizing is correct. Um, 
So it's a lot more about like exploring what the dancer likes and what they what they need. So the dancer that is you know injured from their point shoes, like why why is this dancer getting the same injury over and over again? Then we find out that um, their feet are their shoes are a little bit too narrow. So that continues to give them issues. So we have to get them something wider. So we have to, it's a lot of problem solving in a different way and also figuring out their their preferences. So I have one dancer who is very flexible. Their feet are insanely gorgeous that really love hard shoes. Their shoes are like a brick. And then a, a different dancer with the same exact foot if you take a look at both of their feet, they look exactly the same, but if they wear hard shoes, they will snap it in two seconds. If they wear softer shoes, they will make it much, last much longer. So we have to figure out like what each dan- dancer does. So it goes so much further than just shape and sizes. It's really just figuring out like what makes sense for them and then kind of walking them through their options. And so have you followed any of your clients sort of through, um, you know, being, I guess, a relative beginner on point through pre-professional um, training and into like a company? Yes. It's so fun watching that. I have a dancer that I'm working now at the San Francisco Ballet that I fitted in their first pair of point shoes, which is wild. Um, but they um, have always been very talented and she really just didn't have a lot of issues. Like she, I think I fitted her last before she actually went to San Francisco as a San Francisco ballet school, but she's still in the same shoe that I fitted her all those years ago. Um, And she's just very not fussy. She's super easy. She just wears the same shoes and then she's, she doesn't even have a custom on it. She looks great. So there's dancers like that. And then I have dancers that we switched every, almost every time we did a fitting like always trying to figure out the new shoe in the middle of the season, they have a different foot. So we have to have to have a different size and, you know, and then during summer intensive, they go to a different location. They're also a different size. So they're different types of dancers that will need something different. So some dancers are in the same shoe forever, no problems all the way through professional. And then there's some dancers that are going to switch every time I see them. Mm. So it just depends. Yeah, very fascinating. It's, I guess, I'm finding a similar thing now too with some of the dancers that have been training and I've known them since they were quite young, maybe even did their pre-point assessment and now they're dancing professionally and that's, it's a, it's a nice feeling, I guess, but you also know that it's not like a linear progression. There are always a few ups and downs along the way. Definitely. Definitely. And so Next question about point work in general and, you know, I guess traditionally like females are the ones that are on point. The women in ballets are the ones that are on point. Where do you see the future moving in terms of point work and gender diversity? I think there's a lot of men that are on point now. Yeah. So we have one of our clients is USC, mostly because I went there, uh, but University of Southern California. And um, they did a they did a gender neutral point shoot fitting last year, and half of them were men. 
and they were awesome. They loved, like, I think, I think there's an, there's an entire ballet company, not Trocadero's, but a different one that's like all men on point in the Bay Area, and they do a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. So I think it's moving in that direction. I don't know if any of the choreographers are going to take advantage of that mm-hmm. um, and see if there's any fun things you can do. But there's a lot of men that are now training on point, and I think it's so great. Mm. I, I mean, obviously, Australia is a little bit of a smaller ballet scene, so it might take a little while for that to be the case here. But of course, there are there are males training on point. That's not not unusual, I guess. But like, yeah, it's interesting. I guess for it to become sort of more of a normal thing, you're right. We do need choreographers to take advantage of it and explore that creative boundary, right? Hmm. Exactly. And I think it's it's also not right to make it so feminine too, because like, I know that there are very masculine men, uh, masculine men in ballet that want to do point, but because it's seen as kind of a drag culture um, associated with it, it shouldn't be, but it is. So I think I have some boys in the, the San Francisco ballet school, actually, that I fit in point shoes and they look amazing but they're they want to be masculine they want to honor that portion of their personalities and um I think because of that they don't like posting or they don't like talking about it but they just kind of you know love being on point because they look gorgeous on point so I think that kind of femininity that's associated with point needs to also be questioned as well because it's very macho to be on point it is so hard and it is it requires so much strength and men look gorgeous on point so we'll see how that conversation goes but I think everyone should be able to try it if they want to yeah I mean it can really I guess progress your technique in ways that that you really cannot you can't really feel until you stand in a point shoe like once you're right. in the shoe you go oh I can feel everything like it it really is um it's literally the next level yeah right and it isn't for the faint-hearted absolutely not no. <laughs> it hurts like good hurt <laughs> right <laughs> yeah only good hurt um my last question um because I know you're such a busy a busy person and I'm conscious of your time but what I guess, and I don't know if I'm allowed to ask this, but what kind of point shoes are you wearing right now? Do you wear point shoes yourself? Do you get to train on point? Oh, I haven't danced in over a decade, but the last pair of point shoes I wore was a Russian point Entrada, not the one that you know in the past five years, um, the original Entrada that that has been discontinued forever, but it was one of the only pairs of point shoes I wouldn't sink in. So I was in the 2007 for a little while. I was in the Russian point and I felt that the Russian point just felt a little better on my bunions. Uh, I would, this is a whole different conversation that we can have, uh, (laughs) but I haven't, I haven't danced in a long time. And my biggest joy is to see adult dancers either coming back to ballet uh, after a very long hiatus or 
dancers who are starting dance for the first time as an adult recreationally. That is the joy of my life. And they are so inspiring and so brave. And I don't have that kind of courage to go back to ballet. Uh, I hope I do one day, but I, there's so many things that I know logically makes absolutely no sense, but frightens me to death about going back to ballet. I think um I think it's understandable. I think when you're when you're working around dancers in a different capacity day in day out, especially professional dancers, there's sort of a very deep respect that you feel for those for those artists and I think from from my perspective, yes, I enjoy ballet for me like when I get the chance to do it. Time is probably also the other thing I'd say. <laughs> Having the yes. time to actually go to a class. But even yeah, I guess it just feels like it feels like when you're when you're sort of out of those teen years maybe that like the dancing that should happen the ballet that should happen is is for the professionals and maybe when you see how the professionals work every day and like the real effort that goes into actually being a ballerina maybe it's that that's that's a little bit intimidating or frightening oh Um, yeah and maybe like when you don't sort of see as many sort of I guess we both probably do meet lots of recreational adult dancers, but at the same time, it's, um, yeah, it's not quite the same, is it? Like it's, it's for a different reason. And I think you really have to get into the different mindset. That's a really interesting thing. I mean, like I, there were definitely, it's an adjustment. I think when you go back to dancing as an adult, because you, the things that used to work for you don't necessarily work for you anymore. You have to That's it. kind of get yeah. There you have I guess Mm. right it's really hard to face that and I know that I would have to inevitably inevitably face it if I actually went back to ballet to come to terms with I can't do what I used to do and um yeah it's very scary to face that it's almost like facing mortality like or like you're like almost uh like you have to grieve your you have to grieve your past life. I think it's, that's why I just like love it so much when I see adult dancers. I'm such an advocate for that. And I feel so much joy seeing their joy. And I'm like, I'm so happy that this is where you are in your life. And that's what I want for everyone. Just like whether it's ballet or not to be able to find something that they love so much. And I, I truly think that is point you fittings for me. Yeah. And I have my thing and I, I love that it gets to be part of ballet, but I don't know if it's ballet itself that is going to bring me that kind of joy. Yeah. And I, I suppose being around dancers all day too, maybe we don't have the opportunity to miss it as much because we're around it all day. It feels like we're exactly. All- so maybe we don't exactly need to fulfill <laughs> further. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, I definitely like entertain ideas about like taking a belly dancing class or (laughs) or like a fun like heels class or like a hip-hop class or something something else you know but for the large part I'm you know part of the dance world without being in it Hmm. and I like that the part that you play is incredibly valuable so <laughs> thank you say, so much <laughs> what you're doing thank that you one, so day, much. one day you'll do some kind of dancing again um yeah 
thank you so much for your time. It's been great to chat. Um, so Absolutely. Much, so many, yeah, so many pearls of wisdom in half an hour. It's, it's been really good. <laughs> thank you so much. Um, You're so welcome. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching Dance Medica and the Point Shop grow. Thank so you many, so much. So many <laughs> journeys ahead. Yes, absolutely. Thanks, Josephine. Thank you. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.